In November of 2008, Queen Elizabeth II was touring the London School of Economics, just months after reckless speculation by bankers had caused a global financial crisis. With majestic bluntness, she asked her hosts a question on many minds. Why had no one seen the crash coming? In a rare moment of public introspection, some of the economics professors later replied to the Queen. First, they blamed general human failings. It is difficult to recall a greater example of wishful thinking combined with hubris. But they also faulted their own discipline. Its financial and economic models were good at predicting the short-term and small risks, yet were not equipped to say what would happen when things went wrong, as they have. They stressed that some of the best mathematical minds in our country and abroad had been engaged in calculating risk, but they frequently lost sight of the bigger picture. This combination of mathematics and myopia captures a basic truth about economics over the last half century. As the field has become highly technical and mathematical, its practitioners often remain ignorant of the political implications of their work. The bigger picture has been obscured, in part by the illusion of mastery and precision that complicated math can create. In 1985, one critic had already observed, departments of economics are graduating a generation of idiot savants, brilliant at esoteric mathematics, yet innocent of actual economic life. In a conversation with me almost four decades later, a prominent contemporary economist, who asked not to be named, described the discipline's use of mathematics as masturbation in the monastery. A few economists are now among the sharpest critics of the intellectual limits of their field. An economist from a Canadian university told me that while math is a useful tool, it imposes a low ceiling on the complexity of questions economists can study. Economists need insights from a range of social sciences and humanities disciplines to understand complex real-world problems like financial crises, climate change, or discrimination in labor and credit markets. A young French professor I met recalled attending graduate school with a colleague, now a tenured professor, who performed brilliantly on formal and mathematical modeling, but had no idea who Adam Smith, John Maynard Keynes, or Karl Marx were. Despite working in different centuries and traditions, Smith, Marx, and Keynes shared an intellectually capacious vision of economics, in which knowledge of history, ethics, psychology, and politics was a prerequisite to meaningful inquiry. A few years before the 2008 crash, a survey of graduate students at the most prestigious economics departments in America found that a majority saw a thorough knowledge of the economy as unimportant to becoming a successful economist. Only 14%, however, saw excellence in mathematics as unimportant. One Princeton student commented, There's just a lot of math and we can't see the purpose of it. This says something extraordinary about the training economists receive. It also matches precisely what the professors wrote to the queen. The best mathematical minds had lost sight of the bigger picture. Given such an education, it's unsurprising that complacency dominated the economics mainstream before the 2008 crash. In 2003, the University of Chicago economist Robert Lucas claimed in his presidential address to the American Economic Association, 
The central problem of depression prevention has been solved for all practical purposes and has, in fact, been solved for many decades. Lucas has also argued that questions about wealth inequality must be excluded from economics. Of the tendencies that are harmful to sound economics, the most seductive, and in my opinion the most poisonous, is to focus on questions of distribution. For some economists, the bigger picture hasn't been lost sight of. It has been thrust from view.